I don't know why I always giggle right before I start recording the podcast. <laughs> um, okay, well, today I am here with a special guest. Her name is Ella Green, and I will tell you a little backstory of how I know Ella and then get her to share her story. Um, I probably have known Ella since she was like two years old because of her parents, and we were almost neighbors, lived maybe two or three blocks away. And um, her mom and I were having kids around the same time, and we were in some play dates together. And she has really cool parents that are very creative, um, very verbal, musical, artistic, really cool people. Um, and she is the second of four children, and um, we can elaborate on that later. <laughs> but um, I'm just so proud of Ella. I found out through um, social media that she had written a book about her own experience with anxiety, and it is called Dear Anxious Mind, and you can order it through Amazon. Um, I have my copy right here by Ella Green. So I really just want to talk to her a little bit and hear her story of anxiety and her battle with anxiety and what has helped her and um, so we have a lot to cover. We're going to try to keep this shorter than 40 minutes. So um, I'll start by saying hello, Ella. Thanks for being here. Hello. I'm so happy to be here and to be able to share my story. Wow, you're so brave to, to write a book and share your story. And I know you're a senior in high school and you're 18. Um, so there's so many different directions we could go. Could you maybe just talk about when you first knew you had anxiety and some of the factors that you feel like maybe contributed to you getting it? So um, my I, it started when I was um, pretty young with a fear of storms. Um, it hmm. was, yeah, pretty, it, it sounds um, kind of silly, but mm-hmm. I was, uh, yeah, I just remember standing in the living room and I would see a storm approaching and I would just get tears in my eyes and be really afraid of the storm coming. Um, and yeah, I, I just remember I would fervently pray to God that he would take away my fear of storms because it just felt like such a burden um, for mm. a long time, for a lot of my childhood. But that fear of storms kind of, um, it changed into a much deeper struggle with anxiety when um, in my tween years I uh, started to um, my family started struggling a lot with um, with a lot of hardship Um, I lost my baby cousin and that was kind of my first um, encounter with loss and it was really hard Um, and Mm. I didn't quite know how to respond because I was still really young and I I think like as a child, you kind of have the sense of the world um, that's like unique to you and your heart. And that kind of, that world for me kind of shattered when these hard things started happening in my family. Mm. And um, I also um, lost an aunt I was really close to, to cancer. And um, it was just devastating to um, see her suffering for so long and then to um, have to say goodbye um, and then not long after that, my mom, too, was diagnosed with cancer. And just after witnessing the suffering of my aunt um, and the loss of her, it was really, really scary for me now to see my mom 
um, struggling with cancer. Um, but by the grace of God, um, my mom is healed and she's still with us. Um, mm. And so that just has been a huge relief and I'm eternally grateful um, to God for that. I really, I really think that those hard times taught me to lean on the Lord because I, there was nowhere else I could go, nothing else I could do than to lean on Him mm-hmm. when I felt so panicked in my heart and I felt like anxiety was taking over. I just, the only place I could run um, was Him and His arms. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think that those hard times really taught me that His His grace is more and His, there is comfort and hope um, and healing in His presence. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those things that you just mentioned, um, and I know you mentioned your parents had a marriage separation somewhere during that time frame. I remember a lot of those things happening. I knew your Aunt Amy, and I knew your Uncle Keith, and it was it their baby you were talking mm-hmm. about. Um, and Amy was, was a good friend of mine and also a neighbor. Um, and she was only like 36 years old when she passed away, right? Yes. Yeah, she was very young. And she also had three kids mm-hmm. um, and just an amazing person. But I can't imagine how hard that must have been when your mom had cancer. And, you know, people are trying to tell you, oh, she's she's probably going to make it through. And you're thinking, well, my aunt didn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I believe that. And you were also just a sensitive person and had some anxiety before this but Mm -hmm. um things you know trauma like that can really change the chemistry of your brain Mm -hmm. and the biology and so much trauma yeah i think a lot of that trauma has really contributed to the amount of anxiety that that i I was struggling with and i like i still i still do struggle with it it's like it was very therapeutic to to write this book and to just kind of um, tell my experiences um, with it, in hopes of that other that my readers would be able to relate and just be encouraged um, by by it. But mm-hmm. I, I definitely like there's no formulaic answer for anxiety. I mm-hmm. there's all different things that you can try. There's different methods, um, but th- you just have to really focus on what things will uniquely help you and um, and it will help heal your heart. Um, a lot of those things for me are writing and just being in nature. Mm-hmm. I, I feel God, it, God's presence a lot in nature. Mm. And just music too. I love to sing and play ukulele and that kind of soothes my soul when I'm feeling a lot of turmoil from anxiety. Oh, wow. I didn't know you played ukulele. And you sing? Yeah. Oh. Well, I knew, did know your dad is a musician. He's a drummer, right? Yeah. And he also kind of produces, doesn't he like create music or write the, the tune or? Yeah, yeah. He he does like sensory percussion. And, oh. Uh, yeah, he has a few records out and some music on Spotify. Ooh. Yeah. Josh Green? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I knew he produced, I didn't know what you called it. What did you call it again? <laughs> Permanent record. It's drums. It's drums. Like, yeah. Yeah. Or the perk. Oh, well, anyway, <laughs> obviously need to brush up on my music vocabulary, but that's really neat. Um, 
Well, I loved in your your prologue to your book that you said the process of writing this book has been both difficult and healing. Mm -hmm. I think that is so well articulated, just working through trauma or struggle or, you know, anxiety, whether it be through writing or I know you also write poetry or doing therapy, it is both difficult and healing. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's so good. Um, and I also really liked you, how you touched on the creative sensitive part that makes you kind of anxiety is more, more of a struggle or more, you know, likely to happen. You called it, you quoted, um, or you wrote this, I'm going to quote you, anxiety is misplaced creativity. We could be focusing on creative, imaginative things, but instead our thoughts are overwhelmingly fear filled. Um, what, what did you, what have you learned about that or noticed about that? Yeah, I've always been very imaginative and, um, and I just have a very creative mind so I can, I'm always having a lot of thoughts, I guess you could say, I, Mm -hmm. which has been good and bad. Uh, it does cause me to overthink a lot of times and I can conjure up like the worst case scenarios and things and just blow things out of proportion that are not like true in reality yeah not Um, likely yeah but um i think yeah i think anxiety it's yeah those creative thoughts in your brain just becoming unhealthy i think to like increasing to an unhealthy level where where you're just all like all you can think about is like uh, negative circumstances or bad things happening to you or your loved ones and that's just something you kind of have to combat like think mm-hmm. of think of anxiety as um yeah like misplaced creativity where you could be thinking creative thoughts that are beautiful and um for your good and just like beneficial but anxiety can make those kind of oh yeah just completely unhealthy and negative that's and can so kind good. Of i love that yeah I talk to clients sometimes about how you can sort of use that gift of vivid imagination or creativity and sort of channel it in a positive direction or channel it in a negative direction. And a lot of people use like visualization to imagine, you can imagine something really peaceful and calming, Mm -hmm. or you can imagine something very disturbing and kind of transport yourself Mm -hmm. or conjure up, like Mm -hmm. you said, wow. So how did you, have you read stuff about that or did you just notice that? I just, it's something that I've observed in in myself mm-hmm. and kind of like, I, I'm i in my head a lot um, mm-hmm. and there's lots of voices in uh-huh. my head um, and many of them are lies that I should not be listening to that my fear and anxiety tells me, but yeah, it's just like, I just think if I were to listen to what is true and what is good that's happened, the, the good emotions and thoughts that are happening in my mind, then how much happier and healthier I would be because I would be dwelling on what is true and good rather than what would be hurtful and harmful to my heart. Oh, yeah. I love that. Well, and clearly your faith has 
been the biggest source of your help um, and peace. And that's incredible. I always like to encourage people to think about how does God see you? Because a lot of times we don't see ourselves very accurately. And a lot of anxious people are very self-critical and Mm -hmm. hard on themselves and perfectionistic. And But looking at how God sees you, and a lot of people don't even have parents that see them fully Mm -hmm. or both parents that see them. And so just, you know, resting in that sense of like, you know, either the promises that God gives us, Mm -hmm. um, what have been some of the most helpful aspects of your faith that have, or promises or whatever that have helped you the most? Well, one of my favorite Bible verses that I just treasure in my heart is 1 Peter 5, 7 that says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Mm. I just love to envision myself kneeling and just surrendering all of my fear um, before his feet and just leaving that before his throne because um, he carries he carries the weight on my on my shoulders like I'm not carrying that burden myself Mm -hmm. and I just always remind myself that my God is a God of peace and that he wants us to be at peace and he it hurts his heart when when he sees that we're in pain Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah the Bible says he gives peace not as the world does but as only he can um peace that is so powerful that it can overcome those emotional struggles and and can heal those wounds that you feel may never be healed but yeah he's Mm. a god of peace and so I just love reminding myself that yeah peace that's hard to fathom or that passive understanding um yeah I I've for some reason that's just popped into my mind. I think it's a verse that the truth shall set you free. Mm-hmm. Is that a Bible verse? Yeah. Okay. Um, but I love that even just thinking about the lies that, that we can all tell ourselves, whether it's through anxiety lens or depression or anything, just low self-esteem or toxic messages from childhood mm-hmm. and setting ourselves free from unrealistic um, expectations or perfectionism or shame or just the lies, you know? Um, well, so I know it looks like you obviously have experienced different types of anxiety, which I love that you highlighted that because some people have social anxiety, some people have panic attacks, some people have OCD, um, and just general worry or general anxiety. But you mentioned in here you've had a mix of unnecessary habits, OCD, panic attacks, um, other physical symptoms, um, and definitely worry. Yeah. Um, so you've really kind of had a, a range of, and the phobia, like a fear yeah. of storms. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting how it, some people, it can, even one traumatic experience with, a tornado or a car accident or a dog attacking you or anything like that can lead to a an ongoing mm-hmm. phobia. Yeah. But sometimes a fear of panic, I mean a fear of storms or something can just come out of the blue mm-hmm. because of even sensory sensitivity. Yeah. Like loud noises or Yeah. I think I've always do kind of had um, heightened senses like I don't know. So like 
I guess I get like overstimulated easily and, <laughs> and like I don't love loud noises. Uh-huh. So that's probably part of the reason why I would get scared when there would be thunder huh. <laughs> when I was little. Yeah. Have you ever, this is a side note, but have you ever heard about the highly sensitive person um, book or the questionnaire? No, I don't think so. Okay, I have to send this to you. Um, I guarantee you, you are highly sensitive. Yeah. It's not just the emotional sensitivity. It's actually a nervous system sensitivity. And there's a whole lot of literature if you look on hsperson.com. But there's a book called The Highly Sensitive Person by Elaine Aaron. And I think it's spelled A-R-O-N. Elaine Aaron and then there's like the highly sensitive child but it's it's a lot about people who don't like loud noises they don't like uncomfortable clothing or tags they don't like big changes in their life Um, they're deeply affected by arts or music Mm -hmm. they don't like too much chaos or too many things going on at once they notice subtle changes in an environment and things like that Mm -hmm. Does yeah, that sound a that's, little bit? That sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, with parents that are so like, you know, creative and like sensory and visual, like artists and musicians and your mom, mm-hmm. it seems like a writer. I don't yeah. know what her... She's a really good writer. She's yeah. a great writer. Your parents are probably just very sensitive people that are very deeply affected by arts and music mm-hmm. and um, aesthetics. And yeah. so you kind of come by that honestly. Mm-hmm. that's neat well that's definitely a cool thing that it really can make you more vulnerable to anxiety when your nervous system is more affected because Mm -hmm. it it almost feels like your nerve endings are closer to the to the surface of your skin in a way yeah um so anything else that you're kind of itching to um say or i mean i have so many questions but is there I know you mentioned in the book that you have also done some therapy. Mm-hmm. Was that somewhat helpful? So, yeah, I did counseling for a time. Um, it wasn't particularly helpful for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I just didn't find, like, the right fit for me, mm-hmm. I guess. But counseling is a thing that I think can be really helpful and beneficial for for people. It just depends on yeah it just depends on the situation and like finding finding the the right person yeah yeah Yeah. that's true because everybody kind of has their own personality and style and Mm -hmm. and not everybody would benefit from therapy if as much as someone else especially Mm -hmm. if you would journal or write poetry Um, some people would much rather do therapy than like write in a journal but yeah you can talk to friends you can be in nature Mm -hmm. and write songs or all kinds of things yeah I think personal just doing like things personally therapeutic to me like has been a lot more helpful than counseling like Mm -hmm. like I said I I mean I do songwriting and Mm -hmm. um and singing and just yeah just being outside and just kind of grounding myself in reality usually Mm -hmm. when I'm feeling stressed like after a long hard day whether Mm -hmm. that be school or just life I I always just go on a walk and that's just very restorative for my mind and my soul because mm-hmm. just being outside and walking, I'll usually pray and talk mm-hmm. to God about whatever is on my mind and I just feel so much uh, so much better and grounded when I do that. So. That's amazing. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, the trauma that you had in such a concentrated time frame at such a pivotal time in your life, the loss of a cousin and, a, and an aunt at a very young age, and also probably grieving for her three children and her mm -hmm. husband yes. and, and for your mom and your dad. I mean, just, at, you know, mm -hmm. grieving for everybody yeah. and yourself. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then your parents' marital, marital problems, which mm -hmm. I know now your parents are back together and yeah. great. And But that must have felt like the world was crashing around you. Yeah, it definitely did. Yeah. 10 to 12. My goodness and being a sensitive person mm -hmm. with that much bad news and trauma and grief that so did you experience more anxiety than depression during all that I think yes I think I that's more during that time I had a lot of like panic attacks and I just was seeing kind of anxiety take like physical tolls on my body mm. um, like I would I wasn't really hungry anymore I I just felt very like insecure and like I didn't, I don't know, I guess I kind of kept to myself more mm -hmm. and, um, and I kind of stayed in my room a lot and it was a really, really hard thing. Like I would, yeah, it was just a lot of emotional turmoil within yeah. me that I didn't know, I didn't know what to do and yeah, mm -hmm. it was just very hard. And your brother, your older brother, was having some seizures, too. Yeah, yeah. That's when his epilepsy was really severe. He was having seizures, like, very frequently. And because the doctors were trying to find, like, the right medicine for him. Uh -huh. But it took a while for them to find that. Um, but that that was also really anxiety-inducing when um, just to see him struggling with that. And feeling, I just felt very helpless and hopeless. Like, everything mm. around me was going wrong, and there was nothing I could do about it. Mm. that I like I was at a complete loss of control and that kind of scared me too mm -hmm. I felt like nothing was in my control and that's that's too when I had to remind myself that like that God was in control and that he he was faithful even though it felt the ground felt like it was shaking beneath me and oh and everything just felt like it was falling apart well when that much tragedy and trauma and stress happened just in your immediate family I mean, I know as a senior, I was really had this terrible awakening that was nowhere near as close to home as you. But um, one of my good friend's mothers died of cancer senior year of high school. And then one of my friends that I played tennis with was killed in a car accident mm -hmm. just a, not long after her 16th birthday. Mm -hmm. And it just put me in kind of an existential crisis and depression. And, and that was really hard but that wasn't my mother and dad or my aunt or my brother or my cousin you know at age like 11 or 12 I mean um just that you kind of want to live in this I don't know happy childhood place where you think oh your biggest stress is which friends invite you to the birthday party instead yeah. it's like life and death issues yeah. for a really deep and sensitive person um so did you say that you just kind of internalized a lot of that stress and it started coming out in your body? Yes, I, I think, yeah, all, all of the anxiety kind of like welling up within me kind of just came out and how my behavior, like my behavior has changed and I kind of, I was, that was definitely like 
I think the lowest point of my life so far, just those few years when um, there was a lot of like storms in my family. Um, I think there's just so much that I've learned from that though, and I would never be where I am in my relationship with God if that those things had never happened. Mm. Um, and I, I'm able to look back on that now and realize how, even though I felt like anxiety had like power over me, really God had the ultimate power and, and he was still bestowing his peace and he was still working even though I felt like like he had abandoned me or maybe he just when he felt mm-hmm. when I felt like he was nowhere to be found mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a weird position to be in when you feel kind of like what do you put your hope in or what is going to make you enjoy life or be content and it feels like there's just bad news and trauma everywhere mm-hmm. that sometimes we don't really tune into God or our faith or pray until life gets really, really, really hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think also that time taught me like that I need to lean on the Lord in times of joy and sorrow, not not just in those times that that I'm feeling very anxious. I just need to lean on him always and and trust that he is going to work all things together for good Mm. in the end. So, um, so do you, would you say that, um, just general worry and anxiety and isolation were the biggest struggles after all that happened or? I think after all that happened, um, I, started struggling a lot more with social anxiety and low self-confidence and mm-hmm. self-esteem. Um, I, I've i just been overthinking a lot. Just And, yeah, I've been kind of struggling. I've never been great with um, making new friends because I'm shy and introverted, and mm-hmm. it's hard for me to kind of put myself out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think um, slowly God is helping me to grow in confidence I've I've done some performing things and and I just feel like I I am getting better at um, making friends I think and my relationships are are getting better um but it's something that I've had to like pray about a lot because mm-hmm. it's been it's been hard yeah and I've had um some not so good friendships in the past that have kind of showed mm-hmm. me um the value of having really good friendships that um, bring you closer to God rather mm-hmm. than further away from him. And yeah, a lot of that anxiety kind of has, I feel alone and isolated a lot Yeah, because of that. You know, this is another tangent, but um, I feel like people who are really deep and, you know, intense and maybe just a little bit more reserved it is harder sometimes socially because mm-hmm. you don't necessarily see the point of a whole lot of small talk and yeah. casual talk. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with small talk and casual talk, but it just doesn't feel natural when you're just a really deep thinker. Yeah. Yeah. I, I crave like deeper conversations <laughs> a lot and yeah, I'm not, 
I feel kind of uncomfortable, I guess, in, in small talk. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you got a big smile on your face. They can't see you. But yeah, it's a really interesting um, dilemma because it's such a gift to be a deep person. But going to a party and, and maybe not necessarily being like, I don't know, just a real chatty, casual person, but more like, let's sit in the corner and talk about the best book you've been reading. Yeah. You know, um, that's not exactly easy to do at a party. And um, so I could see that that would be hard when you just really want to go get really deep and philosophical or yeah. um, talk about your faith or whatever. Um, but it's an amazing quality. It's just hard to see how that's always yeah. translates into yeah. like, a casual social life. Anxiety is exhausting. Mm -hmm. And that restless, it's almost like an orbiting thing in our brain that just looks around for something to worry about yeah. and something new to kind of dread or yeah. make things worse than they are. Um, it's, it's very exhausting and stressful. Yeah. My anxiety definitely makes me very restless and just very tense I guess like at I struggle sometimes to sleep at night too because like my worry will wake me up or I'll I just can't fall asleep because my mind won't turn off mm -hmm. and I just, the thoughts just keep going and going yeah yeah and yeah it's it's hard but then I just I just pray I always pray at night that God will just help me to rest in him and in his peace mm. and I kind of I recite this Bible verse um, to myself before I go to bed before I go to bed each night. Um, it's, um, sorry, I'm forgetting actually. <laughs> um, it's, I will both in peace, I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, O oh Lord, make me dwell in safety. Wow. And that's from the book of Psalms, I think. That's beautiful. Yeah. Wow. So it's when I'm both awake and asleep. Is that part of um, it? In, in in peace, uh -huh. I will both lie down and sleep. I will both lie down and yeah. sleep. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. So when you were going through such a hard time and kind of isolating and your appetite was lower, did you not talk a lot to anyone about how you were feeling? I felt, I kind of felt like there was no one I could go to. Um, so I did definitely keep a lot of those feelings inside or I wrote them down on paper mm -hmm. um yeah I I felt like if I went to talk to anyone about it like in my family or in, or with my friends I felt like I would be burdening them mm. and I just didn't want to feel like a burden so a lot of that I just kept inside or mm. just journaled about it which probably wasn't the healthiest way to go about it but mm. do you think that was because they were going through so much themselves with all of that or yeah okay yeah I definitely think okay I just didn't want one more thing to be put on them I guess you didn't want to add anything yeah. else to the pain yeah. so if it was more like I have friends bullying me at school but my family is doing pretty good and pretty smooth sailing you might have opened up more yeah I think so I just felt like there was so much that was going on yeah that I, I just couldn't bring myself to to just yeah talk to them about what I was going through mm -hmm. emotionally yeah. for sure that's part of I bet the aspect of the sensitivity um I know 
that um, well, one of the things on the highly sensitive person questionnaire is other people's moods really affect me and things like that. And I know we about two years ago had to put our little four-year-old dog to sleep. And I just really didn't want to tell very many people like my close friends knew, but I didn't want to talk about it on the podcast. I didn't want to, I didn't want to give anybody else any more bad news. Yeah. Yeah. I just, there's so much hard stuff in the world. And I thought, oh, this is just another depressing thing to tell people. Mm-hmm. So that that pales in comparison to what you were going through. But you're, you probably thought our family is just on their knees and mm-hmm. just pain and struggle. And yeah. I'm going to pretend everything's okay or just try to deal with it myself. Yeah, I just felt like what I was going through emotionally was just needed to remain between me and God kind of that. I didn't want to. I didn't want to talk to anyone about it, really. Uh-huh. And it, like, it was very hard for me to kind of open up about it and uh, be vulnerable about it later. Uh-huh. I think I just. I don't know. I didn't want to like trigger any past traumatic memories, I guess. Or uh-huh. I just didn't. It's not like a topic that I really wanted to to bring up. Yeah. Yes. That is an interesting point there, too, because I think a lot of times when someone is grieving, and of course you were all grieving, but people, people, let's just say that are not dealing with that grief themselves, they don't know when to bring it up or how to bring it up or if it's going to upset them or it's going to be a good time or a bad time. Um, I think that's an ongoing struggle for so many people is just, do they want me to ask? Do they want me to pretend I don't know? I don't know what to say. What if I say the wrong thing? Yeah. Yeah. So is it hard for you to be vulnerable with your family or or close friends in general, or was it more just because of some of those other things you were talking about? Um, I think during that hard time in my life, that was when it was very hard for me to be vulnerable. Mm. That's, That's when I was just kind of internalizing everything Mm -hmm. but now um, I just feel like God has worked a lot of healing in our family relationships and and I can I can talk to them about like my siblings and my parents I can talk to them about anything really and I know that they'll be really caring and supporting and encouraging Mm, that's so good well um I haven't gotten as far through this book as I wanted, but I know you have a chapter on OCD habits and how to get rid of them. Um, it's so cool. Um, like your mom noticed you were washing your hands and not touching doorknobs because of a fear of germs and getting sick. She bought you an OCD workbook to read and it really helped. Yeah. Did you actually read it? Yeah. Um, I haven't, really looked at it very recently but but yeah I mean mostly I think it's just it's more like telling my mind like telling myself that I'm being like irrational and like because those thoughts are just kind of they're changing my behavior to make me just act irrationally and not I guess yeah Mm -hmm. like it's not very logical and like yeah and I don't need to be that afraid of, I don't know. I'm just like germs or something. Yeah. 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 I think I've, I think it is something that I still struggle with a little bit, but I think I'm overcoming it. Uh-huh. Cause, 
it's just such a small thing that I shouldn't be I shouldn't be like obsessing over worrying about well it you know I like to think of anxiety as having different flavors and it can Mm -hmm. manifest as social anxiety or physical anxiety or OCD and a lot of people have at least a tiny bit of OCD but it may not meet the full criteria because it's not causing Mm -hmm. as much distress or as much time. Like Mm -hmm. if you're washing your hands a hundred times a day, that takes a lot of time. But if you're Mm -hmm. only washing them an extra 10, it it may not be disrupting your life as much. Um, And I think that, you know, the very nature of it is, you know, it's irrational and you wouldn't put any money on it. That's what I always like Mm -hmm. to say, like, be like, Ella, okay, you can't wash your hands. And if you do get cold or COVID in in however many days, I'll give you money because I was wrong and you did get it. But if you if you uh, don't wash your hands and you don't get it, then you owe me money. You're like, well, I'm not going to give you any money because I know I probably won't. But just that what if, which yeah. you you mentioned what ifs in your book. Yeah, I definitely have struggled with what ifs. I my mind just throws them at me at random times. Uh huh. And then I like I very quickly can start to believe them like like I start to mull it over and I'm like this actually probably could happen when it's just not yeah in tune with reality yeah I know it's hard to let it go even though you know the odds are very low but you Mm -hmm. just can't relax that radar until Mm -hmm. you've done that thing but learning to relax that little fear without doing the compulsion is mm-hmm. is obviously the real ticket to getting through it. But mm-hmm. there's a what if right now. What if you feel a pinch of fear spring up inside you or notice a what if question about to echo through your brain? Try to stop it before it speaks its lies into your mind. Don't let it cause you to hesitate or worry. Tell your anxiety and fear, you don't control me. I make my own decisions. I'm not going to let you hurt and destroy me. That's great. Yeah, you called that chapter your emotional conversation. And you said, it sounds odd, but you need to have some conversations with your emotions Mm -hmm. or your thoughts when they're negative and harmful. Mm -hmm. That's true. I've told people with OCD to say, um, it's just a thought. Mm -hmm. Um, And your mind is playing tricks on you you Mm -hmm. know the pattern you know the classic strategy here it goes again yeah my mom would always tell me like your worry is just a feeling and it will pass and that too was very comforting to hear Uh uh-huh it's just a fleeting thing even if it feels like it would linger it it will pass yeah yeah well and and most people with anxiety realize that they make things way bigger in their mind Mm -hmm. and they dread them and and they find them so much more overwhelming Mm -hmm. but once they happen they're like that was so much smaller than i thought yeah there's a lot of like anxiety really like gets you to focus on like the fear of of like the anticipation of Mm -hmm. of this thing when really like the actual experience of it is not very bad it is not like bad yeah. at all it's yeah. just that your anxiety like made it look like, look that way in your mind yeah we build it up so yeah. hugely um yeah expectation and anxiety are really interesting i one classic example if i was ever told that some movie was amazing i would get it worked up in my mind so much that by the mm-hmm. time i saw it i would often be like that wasn't that great because in my mind it was so much better yeah. 
Yeah. But we can take that in a negative way. It's another mm-hmm. example of how we can use our mind. Yeah. Um, and positive or negative. Um, but yeah, we can work things up so negatively about, oh, what's the worst thing that could happen? What if I trip and fall? What mm-hmm. if I make a fool of myself? And yeah. you're exhausting yourself. Um, and I always like to say our brains don't necessarily know if this is real or not. Mm-hmm. Like the imagination, our our body starts reacting as if that did happen. Yeah. And you're, you know, simple. Okay, so my alarm went off. <laughs> um, anyway, well, this has been so good, and I'm just so thankful for you and anyone who is willing to share their own story and their own experience, mm-hmm. and so that people know they're not alone. I mean, mm-hmm. anxiety is the number one most common mental health disorder, yeah. and if more people would share, especially teenagers, just to mm-hmm. say, you are not alone. It gives yeah. people so much more hope to know how many people are anxious or depressed or lonely. Um, I hope it just gives people hope. So um, is there anything else that you're kind of itching to say before we wrap up? Um, I think I'd just like to say that, yeah, you are never alone, um, even when it feels like no one is around um, God has not left you and there are people around you who love you and who will support you and you don't have to um, become a slave to your anxiety and fear Um, even though it may be tempting or your emotions may force you into that position just you have power over your emotions and you can you have control over your life and uh, worry will try to stop you from living your life but you just have to um, just you just have to ignore that and just live your life and i just hope that um, my story will bless and encourage all those who read it and maybe they can read the book if they'd like to know more about yeah. your story yeah. well thank you so much Ella. thank you so